0: from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. How we doing? You're doing all right? Answer's not very good. Okay. Not, <laughs> not too good. All right. Hey, so today we are continuing a new series called Greater. Last week we announced. Hopefully you heard. We also we sent out a text to everybody. We sent out an email. We put it on social media. Uh, last week we announced that we are becoming a campus of the Crossing. Uh, the Crossing is an awesome church here in Vegas. They helped us get started. Uh, they have supported us in all kinds of ways. I love uh, their lead pastor Shane and their staff. If you were here on Wednesday night, we did a meeting with them and introduction kind of thing, and you got to meet them. Hopefully, um, their original campus is on Windmill and Buffalo. Uh, they have a second campus on Sahara. We will become the third campus. Uh, we went back. To, we went to them back in February to talk about this possibility with them, uh, because of challenges we were facing, and because we think so highly of them, we, we wondered if maybe we could be better together. Uh, we, we knew that even though this would change the name on the building, and that, that's okay because it's not about the name on the building, it's all about Jesus. And about the spiritual family that Jesus brings together and about the mission that Jesus gives that spiritual family and um, so we're, we're gonna have a new name we're gonna have some new staff but it'll still be us still Jesus same fam same mission uh, and so we're going through this transition and you know transitions uh, can be intimidating they can be scary but transition is inevitable right the, the only constant in life is change. Uh, Times of transition can be hard, but they can also be great. And that's why we're calling this series Greater, because we believe that what is coming will be greater. In this series, uh, what we're going to do starting today is we're going to look at three transitions in the Bible, maybe the three biggest transitions in the Bible. And what I think you'll see is that in each of them, everyone felt like this is awful. This can't happen. This this is not going to be good. But with each of them, what ended up actually happening was greater. was greater. Today, uh, we're going to look at the transition from Moses to Joshua. At the point we're looking at today, uh, Moses has been the leader of Israel for a while. Uh, Back then the Israelites were the only people who believed in God, worshiped God, were committed to God. They were God's people. Uh, Moses has been leading them, but Moses is about to die. And all the people are like, no, 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 that can't happen. Because Moses is the one who has led us. Moses is the one who has taught us about God. Moses is the one who's prayed for us. And he showed up at the hospital when we had the baby. And, you know, we we, we can't go on without Moses. Uh, But he's about to die, so they're going to have to. And Moses gives a last speech to these people who he has been leading. I am not about to die. Uh, but it was his last speech. And in this series, in the next two weeks, I'm kind of giving you my last speech. And uh, be- because I'm going to be stepping away uh, when this transition happens next month, I told you last week, I just want to give you all space. Um, it's been proven time and time again that if a pastor is no longer the pastor but stays at the church, it's just weird and for everybody. I also want to give the new staff uh, a chance to lead without me looking over their shoulder um, and so, or feeling like I am, and so that means my wife and I, we're not moving, so my wife and I can go to any church we want, and so we will be going to the crossing, uh, we're gonna go to one of the other campuses, which means we'll still be part of the same church. Um, and our, our plan is that once things get normal again, we'll come back to this campus and be with you guys again. Um, you know, I've actually been thinking about the fact that I would be leaving since the very start of Verve. Every leader is an interim leader because transition is inevitable. And I knew that it wasn't about me, and that someday someone would come after me. At Verve, we've always had a management team. Uh, it's this team of people who help us make decisions and provide accountability. And, and um, we, we would meet you know, f- several times a year, and uh, we would have meetings when we were doing our budget to finalize our budget. And, and from the first days of Verve, our management team would ask me every time we met, they would say, hey, Vince, What's going to happen to Verve when you get hit by a bus? And I would always say, Why am I going to get hit by a bus? Who's driving the bus? Like, what, what, what's the deal with this bus? Uh, but, but the point was hey, you're not going to be here forever. Something can happen to you. What's going to happen to Verve after you? Uh, Part of the reason they asked that question was because of our finances. And so it always came up when we were working on our budget. Um, I I told you last week that our offerings here at Verve have never uh, been enough to uh, support the ministry of Verve. And so I have had to go out and raise uh, money outside of Verve. So other churches, my friends, um, anybody I meet, you know, I'm I'm like, hey, would you give to, to help our church survive. And, and so in the, the first years, I would raise 300000 ish a year uh, every year. And then in the last six or seven years, it's been like 200000 year a year. And um, the what we assumed was, uh, this happens with every new church, is you need money at the beginning from outside, but then your offerings increase. And as your offerings increase, you don't need outside funding anymore. But that's not what's happened here. It's so what happened. I started a church in Virginia Beach, was there for 11 years before this one. That's what happened there. It's not what's happened here. In fact, our uh, church has been growing and our offerings have actually been decreasing, which ne- means we need more outside support, uh, but we are losing outside support. So over the last 18 months, we've lost uh, about 110000 a year in our outside funding. And um, at the same time, our rent for this space uh, started out at about 6000 a month, and then it grew to about 10000 a month, and it jumped to 12000 a month. And we learned that after next year, it's going to go up to $18,000 a month. And so it put us in a, a financially uh, impossible situation. So Vince, what happens when you get hit by a bus? Now, I am not dying, um, but you know, I used to laugh at the get hit by a bus idea, uh, but it's become more real to me in the last few years. Um, I was diagnosed two years ago with this uh, weird, rare blood disease called hemochromatosis. Um, it's when your blood carries too much iron, and so if you've ever looked at me and thought, Iron Man, you are right. You thought it because of like rock hard steel, but um, actually it, it's true about me. So if untreated, uh, this disease leads to cirrhosis of your liver, which I'm like right on the edge of that. Um, it leads to issues with your pancreas. It leads to an irregular heartbeat. It leads to heart, uh, your heart shutting down. It leads to death. The only solution, check this out, is you have to have less blood in your body. Uh, all those, the heart and pancreas can't have that much iron going through them or you die. And so you have to have less blood. And so every month I go in and get a, a, a pint of blood taken from me. I started taking pictures three months ago. So there's me, I think three months ago. Look at the little smiley face I get to do. And then there's, an, uh, so they so fill, fill up the thing to the top. Um, I think we got a couple more maybe. There's me another month. Um, Sometimes they give me snacks. Um, (laughs) I guess snacks sometimes. I I don't know if there's any other ones. Um, I asked them, I'm like, hey, can I donate this blood? And they were like, no, your blood sucks. And I was like, okay. Um, They're like, you can't donate bad blood, it's bad blood. And so I don't know what they do with my blood. Um, So I I am not about to die because it's getting treated, but it has made me realize, man, I'm not going to live forever. Right? Transition is inevitable. Every leader faces it. What happens after you? And that is the question that Moses faced. He is about to die. He gives this last speech to the people he's been leading. Uh, this speech is a book of the Bible called Deuteronomy. It's one of the really long books of the Bible. It was a long speech he gave to the people. Um, here is how my favorite author, Philip Yancey uh, sums up Deuteronomy, he says, like a parent trying to teach an unruly bunch of children how to behave as adults, Moses has one last shot, one last opportunity to pass along historical memory, to purge himself of grievances and pain, to bequeath to them the hope and grit they would desperately need in his absence. So to, to pass along historical memory, to purge himself of grievances and pain, to bequeath, which means to give them hope and grit that they would need. Um, what I want to do is I want to walk you through Moses' speech. Not like verse by verse or we would be here for like five days. It's really long. Just I just want to kind of hit some of the themes in this speech and use those themes to talk about verve. Um, so right at the beginning of his last speech, uh, Moses says, At that time, I said to you, you are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. And so in the next like nine verses, you'll see, if you go back and read it, uh, you'll see that Moses talks about appointing leaders to lead uh, the people. And man, I can relate to that um, because I am so, so limited as a leader. There are so many things that I am no good at. And I am so grateful for the leaders that God has given to our church over the years. Um, Some of them, uh, staff members, some of you who have been around a while would remember, people like Rob and Candice and Jeff and Amy and Jake and Ryan and Samantha and Dave and Tony and Peyton. Um, We have some staff members who are still here today, Margaret and Abner and Jacob and Dawson. And I appreciate them. Uh, so much beyond words. I hope you appreciate them because they're awesome. Uh, there, there's also been uh, people who were volunteer leaders who have stepped up and helped carry the, the burden of leadership here at Verve. Uh, our DCA team, uh, Scott, Scott's one of those, he's here. Um, people who have led Verve groups along the way, some of you have done that. Uh, people have led ministry teams. Uh, man, I can't thank you enough. So, Moses starts out that way, and then he quickly gets into grievances. Do do, Any Seinfeld fans? Seinfeld, Seinfeld, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Um, Does anybody remember Festivus? It's the holiday for the rest of us. And at Festivus, uh, there is annually the airing of grievances. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're gonna hear about it. <laughs> I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're gonna hear about it. And, and that's actually what, kind of what Moses does. It's like, man, it's his last speech, he's about to die. And he starts airing grievances. Um, he, uh, he talks about uh, this huge moment in Israel's history, um, one of the biggest, where uh, God had told the Israelites I have a land for you. I am promising you that I will give you this land. And so the Israelites uh, sent 12 spies to kind of scope out the land and um, and the people who are living in there. And they come back and 10 of them say, it's impossible. We will never be able to move in this land. We can't do it. It's not going to work. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, say, of course we can do it, because God said we can. If God said it, we, we can do it, we should, we should trust him. But the Israelites all decide that they agree with the 10, and they say, we're not even gonna try to move in this land despite God's promises to us, we won't do what God is telling us to do. And Moses reminds them of that in Deuteronomy chapter one, he says, um, but you were unwilling to go up you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You crumbled, and you did not trust in the Lord your God. And Moses says in verse 43, I told you, but you would not listen. Um, he also uh, reminds them of a time when they worshiped an idol, uh, a golden calf, and they danced around and worshiped this Calf they had made of gold, and and later uh, about times when they had decided that they were going to worship other gods that their the neighboring countries believed in, um, and then Moses goes on and on and on and on about tithing. Uh, th- there is literally an entire chapter of Deuteronomy about how God's people are to give the first ten percent of their income back to God, that they're to trust Him, and He promises He'll take care of you, and. Um, so uh, last week, uh, we talked about how verve has been fun and verve has been fragile. And, and I'm just going to be honest. I won't do this again next two weeks if you're like, this is going to happen. Nope, just today. But I think it's important. I think the, the reason Moses did that was not to criticize or judge. I, I think he was saying, like, hey, that's, that's what's happened. Let's, let's learn from our past and have a better future. And... Um, And I I would just say that some of the fragility of Verve has been because of our people. Um, We we have not seen the kind of widespread spiritual commitment that most churches do. Um, For example, uh, every year we have a State of the Church address, um, and every year we beg everyone to come please come. It's a big deal. This is where we talk about how we're doing, where we're going. Um, every year we, we talk about our financial situation. So last week, those of you who've come to, to the State of Church Addresses, you were not very surprised. Everybody else was shocked, uh, but you're like, no, we've talked about this year after year. And, and so anyway, we, we beg everyone to come. Attendance, uh, very low. Very few people come to say the church address, and the last couple say the church addresses. Last several, um, I've explained that hey guys, God says the way church works, the way a church is healthy is if it has an ever increasing core of people who are all absolutely committed to attending consistently. They show up every week, and giving. or more of their income consistently and serving consistently. And then as they grow spiritually, they start leading instead of serving. They're not in a group anymore. They're leading a group. They're not serving on a team. They're leading a team. And and, and I said in the State of the Church Address, I said, guys, that's how we're going to survive. That's how we're going to be healthy. And uh, I explained that, but, like, we've almost never seen any real changes happen following any of those challenges. Uh, one of those, it was 18 months ago, um, I, I, we talked about how, guys, there are thousands of churches all over the country who are closing right now, um, and it's largely because of COVID and the shutdown, and these churches haven't been able to build back up after the shutdown, and I said, man, that, that's not going to be us, right? Let's not let that be us. And if you, you remember, if you were there, a few of you were there, I said, failure is not an option. Failure is not an option. But... For failure not to be an option, it uh, can't just be a cool thing we say. We have to commit to attending consistently. We're here every week and giving 10% of our income back to God consistently and serving consistently. And that year we, we were bold. And we said, hey, we um, are going to ask you to sign a covenant, not with us but with God. Uh, you don't have to, but would you sign this covenant committing to attending consistently, serving consistently, and tithing consistently. And almost everyone, to our surprise, almost everyone signed the the covenant, this commitment. Uh, And our attendance didn't change, and we barely got any new volunteers, and our offerings went up for like a little bit, for like two months, and then they went right back to where they were, and then they actually uh, decreased and all of that has left us very fragile. Um, that is the past, it is what it is. Uh, I, the only reason I say this is I just want us to learn from it because I don't want it to be our future. Uh, if you read through Deuteronomy in, in Moses' speech, repeatedly he says, hey, hey, there are, there are blessings when we obey God and there are consequences when we disobey God. And the truth is, as a church, we've experienced the consequences of not obeying God. Uh, as individuals, whether you realize it or not, whether you make making a the connection, there's always, you always experience consequences when you disobey God. And so, man, let's commit to obeying God. Like, our lives will go so much better if we just say, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. Whatever he says, I'm going to do it. Our lives will be so much better. And our, our campus or, or whatever church you end up being a part of in your life will be so much better if, if we commit to, to obeying God. Let me say, uh, in this airing of grievances, that man, I have made mistakes too. Uh, a, a lot. Uh, like, uh, I, I wonder if I have led us to have uh, too much of a church culture, like we we focus a lot on who we are as a church and how we're different. We're church building church, which is not bad. None of that's bad. But but our focus needs to be on Jesus. And I just wonder if maybe some of the focus on church has taken away from some of the focus on Jesus. Um, I, I also I don't think we've done enough one-on-one discipleship. I take the blame for that. Uh, looking back, I now think I, I don't think I talked about giving enough. Um, you know, we, we if you've been around, you know we talk about every two or three years we'll talk about money. Um, most churches do it every year, and, and I would always say, hey, we don't talk about money too much because we don't want you to kind of lump us in with all those churches that talk about money every year, uh, but, I, but I just wonder if maybe if we had taught more on trusting God and tithing, maybe our offerings, uh, maybe they would have been different. And uh, I, did, I just keep Uh, I just wonder if I have made Verve too dependent on me. I've wrestled and wrestled with this. Um, So like with all the fundraising, maybe I should have uh, not done that and just said, man, Verve is going to be what it can be on its own without that. Maybe that would have been better. I honestly don't know. It's hard to say because if we did that, we wouldn't have done any billboards. We wouldn't have been able to afford any radio ads. A bunch of you came because of billboards and radio ads. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to keep this building. We probably never would have gotten this building in the first place. Um, we, we, we wouldn't have been able to do so many of the good things that we've done. Which, speaking of, another thing uh, that Moses does in his speech is he celebrates airing of grievances, done, yay. Um, and so Moses goes through victories. He says, man, let's, let's remember the, the victories that God has given us. And, and so like if you read chapters two and three, he goes through different battles that they had to fight To defend themselves and their their land and and, um how god gave them victory and man we have had a lot of things to celebrate over the years so many things i mentioned some last week um we've had 515 people uh, who put their faith in jesus and got baptized Um, people have found new life in him eternal life in him Uh, we've helped start churches in poland India, and Ecuador. Uh, We've been a part of starting two ministries that are still going, still having a huge impact um, for women uh, and their children who have been sex trafficked in India. And so these two amazing ministries Tons of women have been freed from sex trafficking. Their kids have been, their lives have been changed. Um, we, we together have sponsored over 100 kids uh, in Ecuador in these uh, poverty stricken villages um, through our partnership with Compassionate International. Uh, and we have served our city in so many ways um, through partnerships with schools in low income. Areas. We've adopted a housing development in a rough part of town. We've helped kids uh, get their first bed. Like there are kids who slept in a bed last night because of us. Uh, first bed of their life. They slept on a floor until then. Uh, we have served so many homeless people and on and on and on. And how cool is all of that? And we have done so much good together. What's, what's coming is greater. I oh mean, what God has done is great. So in this, uh, in this last speech, if you read through it, uh, Moses starts talking about cities of refuge, how they had set up cities of refuge, which is an interesting thing. Uh, a city of refuge was a place where someone who had killed someone accidentally could flee. Uh, how would you kill someone accidentally? Moses gives examples. He's like, let's say that you're axing something. That is not the way you use that word. There's no verb axing, is there? And, and you do this and your ax head flies off and it goes right through Kelsey's head. And you're like, oh man, I just killed Kelsey. Well, back then what would happen is uh, the, the, the family of Kelsey, the, the person who died, her family would elect someone to be the avenger of blood. And that person's sole purpose for the rest of their life was to hunt down and kill the person who killed their relative. And you know that they wouldn't like, like vote for Aunt Edna to be the Avenger of Blood with arthritis, you know, slow, overweight Aunt Edna. Now they would like, everybody would vote for cousin Bubba who's, you know, fit and strong, and they'd be like, Bubba. Get the guy who killed Kelsey with the axe head. And and so, like, you're going to get killed. And it was a mistake. And so they set up these cities of refuge where you could run to. And when you got in that city, um, it was a safe place where you were protected. Uh, it It was a safe place for people who had made big mistakes. And I feel like this is the right time to uh, confess to you that I killed someone by mis- No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, but, man, reading that, um, I, I, I literally I just read through Deuteronomy for a couple of days just thinking, like, okay, it was his last speech. What, what do I do during this time? And I thought about City of Refuge, and I thought, man, Verve has been a city of refuge. Like, there are so many people who have come here and found a safe place to investigate Jesus and to find healing for their hurts And to be real and vulnerable, maybe for the first time. And I I am so grateful for all of you who have made Verve a a safe place. Um, There's another point in his speech where Moses shares uh, the importance of knowing God and loving God and teaching our kids to know and love God and to obey all of his commandments. Here's a little bit of that section of his speech. uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 um, he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Some of you're like, hey, I've heard, didn't Jesus say that? Jesus is quoting this verse. Um, verse 6, he says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And man, I mean, I, I feel like we've done that. We have taught people to love God, that it is all about loving God. And we've prioritized kids, uh, giving kids a, a safe place, um, loving kids, teaching kids. And I am so proud of, of all of you who have... Uh, been volunteers in our children's ministry and in our student ministry who have poured your life into the kids at Verve, like their lives are changed. Like literally the trajectory of their life is different because of people like Val and and those of you who who have done that. And and it's so cool. Uh, In Deuteronomy, uh, this might be a surprise, uh, Moses also talks about Parties. He goes on for quite a while about parties because God had commanded in the law uh, that Moses brought to the people from God that the Israelites have parties, festivals throughout the year to help them to remember God's goodness and to be thankful to God, which most people today don't realize that, you know, they think God's a no-fun God, but there's actually verses in the Bible where God says, "'Thou shalt party.'" It's like, oh, I didn't didn't know that, but it's true. Um, But man, thinking about Verve, that's another thing I think, you know, we'll remember that we have had fun, and we have laughed, and we have celebrated, like, every Sunday morning. Uh, You may not know this. We actually started our church 14 years ago by throwing block parties all over Las Vegas. That's all we did for months, Um, and we have thrown... Parties in the parking lot, and kickball games, and karaoke parties, and uh, we have thrown a bunch of parties for kids in low-income neighborhoods uh, because they, have, they, have, they don't have that opportunity. We've given it to them. I mean, we have helped people understand that God is not a no-fun God. God is a God of joy. So Moses, uh, he shares uh, some airing of grievances, and then he shares some victories. And, and then he says, um, hey, it's time. It's time uh, for all of us to renew our covenant with God, uh, to recommit to God, and, he says, to each other. Um, here's a little of that. He says, um, in Deuteronomy 29, he says to everybody, he says, make sure, you make sure, that there is no man or woman clan or tribe among you today whose hearts turn away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. And that, that, that is what I've been praying for us, that we would use this transition as a chance to renew our covenant with God, that, that we would realize in these moments, man, I need God. I need God's love. Like that is what fills me. That is what makes my life make sense. It's my identity. It's what my my foundation needs to be. It keeps me safe. And we would realize that living for God, loving God, obeying God is the only way that life works. Like if I don't live that way, my life is going to end up getting increasingly messy, And we would realize that God deserves my commitment in part because He gave me His. He's done everything for me. And and so we we would use this as an opportunity to renew our covenant with God, our commitment with God, and with each other. that, That we would realize, we would view ourselves as brothers and sisters. And we would view ourselves as our brother and sister's keepers. We, we support each other. We, we will make sure that no one's hearts turn away from God. And we will make sure that there is no bitterness that will poison our community. Uh, th- this is one of the things I really appreciate about becoming part of the crossing. So like I, I said, since COVID, thousands of churches have shut down. And basically what they say is, man, it's been cool. Disperse. Like, go, go and find a church. There, there's, there's good churches. Go find a church. But the, the cool thing with this is that um, the, the people who have become family here will get to continue being family here. You, you're going to see each other on Sunday mornings and continue to do life together in your Verve groups and continue to serve together on your volunteer teams. There's been a couple people this week, uh, I think two, who have said to me, man, the crossing's awesome, I can see that, and maybe, you one or two came Wednesday night, and they're like, they're great. The thing for me, though, is I, I, I just don't know if I want to be a, a part of such a big church. Like I'm not like a big church person. I'm more of a smaller church person. I, li- I like this. Yeah, that's the beauty of what's happening. Exactly. It's going to be This. If you go to this campus, it's going to be in this room, two services, 930 and 11, with, you know, you're not going to fit thousands of people in this room. It's going to be this. And um, you've heard of friends with benefits. This is kind of like that, but not really. Not exactly like that, okay? Um, but, but you're gonna be a part of this kind of size church. It'll probably be a little bit more people. Like we had before COVID, we had more people than this. And, and so it'll be a little bigger than this, but with benefits because we are part of a bigger church. And so if you have a time where you need a support group or recovery group, we're gonna have those. If you want a men's ministry or a women's ministry or young adult ministry, singles ministry, we're gonna have those. If you would like to go on a mission trip, you're going to have all kinds of options. Do you want to serve the community in some new way? There's going to be so many options. And so smaller church with benefits, the right kind of benefits. Um, so uh, Moses says, let's renew our covenant with God and with each other. And uh, and then as he gets to the end of his speech, uh, he encourages the people and he hands off leadership to the new guy Joshua, who takes his place. Um, Here's part of that. In in Deuteronomy chapter 31, he says to the people, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. He's talking about the other nations around them. He, He says, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And then Moses summoned Joshua. He's like, hey, come here. And, and he brings him out in front of everybody. And he says, he's the, Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid discouraged. Moses says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, because God is going with you. He will always be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And that is true for you as well. That's true for you in this moment with what we're going through together. It's true for whatever you go through in life. You can be strong, and you can be courageous. You don't need to be afraid, because God is with you and he will go with you, and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. And then Moses gives away his leadership to Joshua. So uh, next month, we're going to have a new campus pastor uh, who is going to join Margaret uh, on staff here uh, at our campus, and uh, this new campus pastor is great. If you were here once tonight, you met him. His name is David Deers. Uh David has been a part of starting a church and an inner city mission uh, in Minnesota. He did missionary work in Belgium. Uh, most recently, he's been in the business world. He was a vice president of Cox Communications for the last, I think, mean, 13 years. So if you have problems with Cox Communications, you can take it up with him. Um, But during those 13 years, he was also part of the crossing. He was one of their elders, and um, he's led all their missions teams. Um, He also, for the last six years, has been the president of Refuge for Women, who is one of our ministry partners. Uh, He's been the president of their national board. Uh, I've been meeting with him every couple weeks for the last couple, two months, I think. And um, he's awesome. Like, you guys are going to love and respect him. He's an amazing person. Um, So... Moses gives away leadership to Joshua, and then at this point in the speech, he says, hey, I'm going to read to you the lyrics of one of our worship songs, which feels slightly weird to me. Like, I, I don't know. And, and the, if you read the words of the song, it's like, it's a little bit weird. He's like, he starts reading, he's like, rise up, gather around. We're going to rock this place to the ground. Burn it up, go up and smoke. Right? Deaf leopard fans understand me no one else says. That's not really the words, but it is to a song. So I thought, hey, Moses thought this was a good time to remind them of a song. And so I thought, man, we should sing a song together. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And, um, and I want us to, to keep singing because I want us to keep our focus on Jesus. Because if we keep our focus on Jesus, we're going to get through all this fine. We're going to get through anything in life fine. Um, so after the song, I've got just a couple more thoughts, a couple more quick minutes. Um, but before Uh, we do this song, let's just pray. And and I want to especially pray, um, I want to pray for David. Uh, He's coming into, that's a difficult situation for him to come into. He's got to follow this, like the sexiness of this. Like there's no way. And so um, I want to pray for him. I want to pray for the people at the crossing who are working really hard to make this a great transition for us. Pray for Margaret and pray for us. So let's, let's pray. God, uh, we do want to pray. I want to pray for David. He's coming into a complicated situation, I guess. This is different, and he is a great person. He's a great leader. He's a great pastor, and um, he's going to do awesome, but I just pray that you'd help him and um, give him just tons of peace as he comes into this. I pray for the people at the crossing. Um, this is all new to them. It's not like they do this. And so they're learning right along with us, and they're working so hard to make this so great for us. And we pray that you would just help them as they do. I pray for Margaret um, as she navigates making this transition and leading it, um, that you would just give her wisdom and your grace. God, I pray for us. God, I, I pray um, that we would remember that more important than the name in the building or a name on our t-shirts is the name of Jesus. That um, when we make our lives about Jesus, when we make him uh, our foundation, man, we can go through any storm in life and come out the other side. We, we still have storms. They still hurt. They're still confusing. But man, we, we can go through any storm with Jesus. Would you help us, God, as we sing this song, not just to to be singing words, but to, to make a commitment. God, we are renewing our covenant with you, and we are choosing Jesus as the foundation of our lives. God, we pray all these things in his name.